This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. Start collecting your Irish rugby stickers today. And you are very welcome to the Left Wing Daily, Independent.e's rugby podcast. I'm Keen Tracy and we're here in Hamamatsu where Ireland have a down day today. No such thing as down days around here. Unless, of course, you're Rory O'Connor, who, despite having a well-earned breather, has joined myself and Jonathan Bradley for the podcast today. Yeah, cheers, Keen. Um, oh, well, you got to see, the, the rugby continues and uh, we've had our first shock of the tournament. Um, we're getting a very uh, hotel-themed, it's a bit of Lost in Translation-themed uh, podcast today. We've got elevator music in the background and Keen is wearing a very fetching pair of hotel slip-ons. It's probably just as well this isn't being videoed. But, uh, they're actually yeah, very, they're it, very comfortable. It's another interesting day in Japan. I, mean, that, that, I, I don't think anyone would have seen that Uruguay Fiji shot coming. It's uh, it's probably the team that we probably least want, Royal Rugby would have least wanted to be defeated in a shock. But to see uh, the performance in the Uruguayans, um, it was just an amazing day, and it's really kind of breathed life into the tournament. Yeah, I guess before sorry, just John, before we get into that, um, we had uh, our first taste with karaoke karaoke experience last night um, John didn't you went with Oasis I think did you I went with Pulp Pulp oh uh, yeah. yes yes come people I went with the Strokes last night and Arctic Monkeys I bet you're going to dance for a run you were belting out some serious ballads there last night love songs and all uh, yeah a bit of Taylor Swift to kick it off and then we moved on but uh, it was our colleague Nick, Nick Purewall from PA who stole the show. I think he's known. He's going to be known as Diana Ross for the rest of the tournament. A bit of a diva, but an unbelievable set of lungs on him. Yeah, it was. It was class, though, wasn't it? Um, I guess you hear so much about the, the karaoke boots and stuff. I think we were the only the only people inside there, but um, yeah, it was pretty cool, like, wasn't it? Um, I guess we well I certainly don't do karaoke that often that often um, back home but I guess it's part of the culture over here absolutely like uh, the old Lonely Planet guide that's uh, that's top of the things to do so I feel like we've taken that box off now and uh, we probably don't need to hear always by Bon Jovi yeah, ever again I wouldn't think we're kind of keeping team uh, keeping up the music team here because we're sitting in the hotel and as you can probably hear in the background there's lovely classical music playing so we're probably setting a high standard for ourselves by, by this lovely soothing <laughs> Background music. Well, Jonathan, a bit of info there that this is the music capital of Japan. There is a, a music museum, a museum of musical instruments, I think, next door mm. to the hotel, which uh, I haven't wandered into yet, but maybe that's something Still to do uh, before tomorrow's team announcement. And this hotel is shaped like a harmonica in homage to uh, 
to oh, the right. foot. Yeah. It is very, very tall, it must be yeah. said. We, we mentioned yesterday that we're staying in the same hotel as the Japanese team, so it is it is quite nice, but it is incredibly high, isn't it? It, it, it takes so long to, to get from A to B. I'm up on one of the top floors, um, but it's, yeah, it's pretty... Have you stayed in a higher hotel than this? Uh, not that I can, I can remember. The view is pretty incredible up there. It's, uh, it's, I mean, I think you can see Mount Fuji on a, on a, on a clear day. We haven't quite had that yeah but it's yeah it's pretty nice yeah i did i had an interesting day today um i think we've spoken about this before but and you went to wales the other day you get so energized don't you by getting out of joe schmidt's ireland bubble for a while and getting to cover somewhere else uh i went to nagoya today how's my pronunciation uh, yeah good yeah um to see the spring box um so i guess when you do decide to trek you're, you're kind of taking a risk now we did know rassi erasmus was going to be up because it was a team announcement but Another experience on the bullet train, they're, they're just incredible. Um, even in the one coming back, it was more of an express train. So like you're just traveling serious distance in like 40 minutes. It's, and you can just work on it as well. It's, they'd never catch on at home, would they? Was Razzy happy to see you? Razzy was very happy to see me, actually. Um, it was great. Um, hung around for a bit afterwards and he, he chatted. Um, look, I know his time in Munster ended on a sour note and you know some fans still kind of hold a grudge but the guy went back to his dream job and I think you got to remember this but yeah it was really good uh, Jacques Nienarber was up as well and Thomas Dutois who despite only being a monster for a short time actually made a really big impression um, I was talking to Rassi a bit afterwards and you know he was saying that his family genuinely miss Limerick um, he's got young kids and you know it was a big move for them because I don't think they spoke English coming over. It was Afrikaans, so it was a big move. And just as they were kind of settling in, they up sticks and obviously moved again. But like Rassi was saying, that even people from their state where they were living um, in Limerick often sent photos of their kids to Rassi and his wife, and that they showed the kids their, the photos of the kids to their kids then, and they're just constantly crying that they want to go back to Ireland. So it was nice. It was nice. Um, I guess it was nice to sort of talk to him on a human level as well. Um, Thomas Dutrois is a very interesting story. He is we went to Toulouse as a medical joker, and he was actually named to play in their squad against Pau last weekend. Um, and suddenly is jetted over here. He only got in yesterday, and I think he's on the bench now for the Namibia game. But yeah, he was great. He said like he still keeps in touch with a, a lot of the the Munster guys, and even Neen Arbor was saying that his wife paid a visit back uh, back in November. So yeah, look, th there's a strong connection there, and while. It is disappointing how it ended. You know, they they do genuinely have seemed to have a bit of a it's professional it. sport. And exactly. If they, I mean, there is. You could look at it cynically and somewhat fairly and say that he basically used the Munster job to leverage a better position in South African rugby and got the job that he wanted based on the fact that he left because they seem to be on onto him. Is Jury Rue, the head of South African rugby, is is a very close friend of his. He basically put pressure on Alistair Cosia from afar and engineered a position where he came in as Cotia's boss and then Cotia left a couple of months later. He is ruthless. I mean, he is charming. Mm -hmm. He's very, very convincing in the press conference room. I like him, but I don't... You know, you can definitely see there's through. A, there's, there's a ruthless a streak there. There's a mask. Yeah. We saw a bit of it on Saturday yeah. after the match. He was in... You know, he's well able to put pressure on referees. He's a really clever operator. Mm -hmm. Very good coach. You know, he's a minister to be very strong as well because he holds that David Usafora position as well in South African rugby. So, um, he's one that, like... You know he, he'll charm the pants off us all when, when, when we go out to see him, and particularly mm -hmm. in that quarter final week. 
but you know even the fact that he recruited Felix Jones all of the things all of the steps that he's taken they've been thinking about this Ireland game for a long time everyone kind of knew it was probably the way things were going to go so uh, it's it just makes life so much more interesting the fact that there is four former five former Munster uh, staff and players in that squad it's it's uh, it used to be Ulster Jonathan that had the strong South African connection, but it's uh, it, the, 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 it's all changed now. Yeah, well, obviously, Ruyam was there for, for years and years and years, and Marcel could see it himself was in the squad up until, uh, really, the Rugby Championship when he got the injury against, against Argentina. But I, I do think it's going to be a fascinating aspect of that presumed quarterfinal week. Just We've already, like we talked about it before, whenever we were in Carton House, just how agitated Joe Schmidt seemed by the the idea that Felix Jones is going to be in camp and whenever we're looking towards what's really going to be the defining game of not Joe Schmidt's Ireland legacy but certainly his World Cup legacy that's going to play a huge part in it just this idea that South Africa have this uh, this bank of insider information on Ireland yeah they, they just, just I just realised this is a live flute recital that's going on in the lobby down below it's not elevator music at all I've been, I've been very terribly oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's what I mean. yeah that's what I meant by we have this uh, stunning live concert yeah. Um, but yeah they very nearly had another South African it was interesting he was chatting to Thomas Dutois today and before he went to Lucy he very nearly ended up in Ulster but it was interesting how that actually played out that I think there was, I'm not going to say an agreement in place, but it, it, the move was was going to happen, but Ulster decided they were actually going to back back their own props, so I guess that's admirable at the same time as well, because he's a, a serious operator. Yeah, because it was, um, it was reported in South Africa that he was signing, and then uh, just whenever we like did a bit of digging on the story, nobody in Ulster was saying that he was coming, but it turned out then in the end that, as you say, there had been that agreement mm-hmm. in place and obviously looking at it now it naturally would have been a bit of a disaster if they had been relying on him because um, one game into the World Cup and he's out in Japan yeah you mentioned Felix Jones there and I don't really want to say too much because we're going to have a lot of coverage in, of this in tomorrow's Irish Independent but it's fascinating listening to Rasty and Jack Neenar were talking about him and what he brings they could easily be talking about Joe Schmidt the guy is just modelling himself off Joe Schmidt uh, Neen Arbor was kind of joking that he'd love to get him out for a beer because he's just constantly in his room focusing on you know the, the, the indiv- it seems like he's got more of an individual role that are working with individuals rather um, but yeah we'll have lots of coverage on that um, did you see the, spring, the Springboks team Schalkbricks is playing number 8 yeah they seem to be working on this for a while then. Yeah. it's an interesting one we saw who do we see? The Scots brought Fraser Brown on at, mm. at seven. We, um, I think Niall Scannell finished the game in the back row as well. Um, but and Brits, I mean, we've all seen how good he, he was for Saracens, how, how mobile he is around the place. Um, he's well able for it. He's not the biggest. I mean, he, he's quite a, quite a diminutive number eight, but I guess against uh, the Namibian team who are very light in their feet, um, you know, they're not a massive team by any manner of means. They could probably, you know, do it and get away with it and just shows how important versatility is in your World Cup squad. Yeah, and even at training today, Felix Jones was running running with them. And I know Kieran Ruddock was doing a bit of it for Ireland as well. So Andy Farrell as well. Yeah, and so, like, it really helps. I mean, as Rassi was pointing out, Felix is only two or three years older than a couple of these guys like Franz Steyn. And, you know, he can relate to the players, I think, a lot more in while we're looking at it as the intel and to be honest I can imagine him being locked away in a darkened room now for the next while uh, just purely focusing on Ireland and like they made no mistake about it they are using him um, even he's doing a lot of work on Italy because they're pretty sorted on the southern hemisphere teams but because the rugby in our part of the world is so different 
they they have of all the teams they're the most international squad in the in the spread of their players. I mean, Brits has that Saracens connection. Uh, Faf de Klerk is at uh, the Sale Sharks. Chesan Colby's in Toulouse. Francois Lowe. Uh, Francois Lowe. Yeah, I mean they've got it. There's a mm-hmm. number of them who've either been to Europe or still play in Europe. Their coaches all did that 18 month stint, or not all of them, but you know the Razi and Jacques Lienebar. They have Felix and Alan Waters. They have that the most global of all the squads in terms of their coverage. And I asked um, uh, before the first game, I was asking. Uh, the clerk, if you felt that it was in a bit of an advantage, and he said, "Yeah, absolutely." Like you know, we all we know the conditions, we know what teams are like, and you know, Razzie said that New Zealand might struggle with the Northern Hemisphere teams, but South Africa's players are more used to playing them, so that's uh, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, Jonathan, you were at the Japan press conference this morning. Um, you've been all over Japan this week. Um, was, were the noises kind of the, the same coming out of it? They're they're quite bullish. I even met kind of one of their one of their backroom staff in the elevator on the way up. Um, funny kind of elevator conversation. But he I was met Michael Leach. He wasn't that impressed, but you were away beating oh, uh, really? Fiji. Yeah, I think he was more cheering for Fiji. <laughs> but the the guy was just saying that. Um, I said, "Geez, like you guys are really, really confident going into this game," but. And he kind of summed it up very, very well. He said, well, Ireland are a better rugby team, so we have to have like that mental strength that, you know, we are good enough to beat them. But what was the word out of the camp today? They were a lot more uh, sort of deferential towards Ireland today, but interestingly, mainly towards Johnny Sexton. I don't know whether they've got word that he's probably not going to play. So they were hyping him up as the most important player for Ireland and just how pivotal he is to the way they play. But um, we don't... We don't expect Sexton to be playing, so I don't know whether that was a, a another sort of deliberate tactic of uh, putting planting the seed in the press conference and putting it out there that Sexton's so crucial to the way Ireland are going to play, and then whenever the team's announced and he's not there, it's another sort of mental boost for them, perhaps. But um, yeah, there was still confidence. Um, Lamecki, who um, uh, had already played um, a lot of sevens, but now. Coming in on the wing for them, and a really, really good player. But he was uh, he was very specific in his uh, prediction. He says thirty three twenty six to Japan. So. That's interesting. Is I don't think I've ever seen a player <laughs> predicting <laughs> predicting a, a game. But w- w- yeah, we don't expect Sexton to play this week. And I was writing about it in today's paper. There's just no there's no need to, to play him in a game with this. They can afford to with Joey Carberry. Well, com- I, I think, think you underestimate Japan your peril, and we've seen already that that, that shocks can happen if yeah. teams take lightly with a six day turnaround. I, I, Sorry, I, 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 just mean, I just mean that Carberry is back fit is what I mean. I think Carberry's more than capable we, of. No, look, Carberry's brilliant, and you know he is going to be Ireland's ten for most. You know, in the post Johnny Sexton era, and I would have if if, Sex, if Sexton doesn't play, I have full faith in him to deliver. But I I I do think that he's only played. 47 or 48 minutes in a four or five month period and before that I think if you looked at his minutes across the 2019 year as a whole he's uh, he's very little rugby in his belt so I mean Richie Murphy dropped a bit of a hint that it might be Carty that they might you know that, that Carberry could be the one off the bench I'm not sure at this stage do they do they trust Car- Car- is it better to have Carberry in there for 50 minutes and then bring Carty in or you know what's the way they play it but it's um, I think I don't know maybe just, just seeing a shock you know the fact that we've, we have seen one Indicates that maybe there's a bit more of a, um, th- a bit more risk to this game because I think Japan will bring something to Ireland. Maybe Carby's perfect because he played the game fast and quick, but I, I'm just a bit wary of, of resting everyone and, and kind of uh, taking this one for granted. Yeah, you better you better lower your voice there because the, lots of the Japanese squad mm. are just uh, walking there. Yeah, walking there behind. Not that big in them. I think they'll be thrilled with it. I with wonder the, uh, what you just gave them there as they appeared <laughs> over your shoulder. <laughs> are they regular? They're probably regular listeners, anyway. But. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see an entirely different 15. No, I think about five changes. Yeah, but I think yeah. Sexton, like, it's, you know, 
Sexton is the one, he makes the whole thing tick. So I, I, I'm just, I think they beat them, but I think, I, and I think, in fairness, I think Ireland will give them due respect, but I do think it'll be more difficult than a lot of people. Um, I think because of the, I think a lot of people have taken confidence from the Scotland game. It was interesting, Rob Carney, who did a piece on him today, who said Scotland were terrible. You know, Scotland will, will, will look back on that and really have regrets about their own performance, and it's important not to get too carried away by that Scotland result because Scotland actually played quite badly. I think the important thing as well is going to be we're obviously so focused on Ireland but we have to look at uh, there goes your mate Michael Leach sorry Jonathan <laughs> did he give you the wave did he pay his dues <laughs> <laughs> we, like, we have to look at how Japan are going to pitch up here because um, being at that game on Friday understandably there were nerves understandably there was the weight of the occasion but like I, I don't know what you thought, Kane. I like I was fairly disappointed by by the way that they played. Yeah, I, I think you're right. We have to probably allow allowances that it was their first game, but there was a lot of basic errors. And I think we mentioned yesterday or the day before, like that Russia team. While okay, they were a little bit better than expected. They're they're not a good team. Um, I think Rob Kearney coming back is is huge because as well as Jordan Larmer and Andrew Conway did, I could see Ireland peppering them with high balls. I would be surprised if the fullback who started plays again because he couldn't catch a cold. Um, He was really, really poor. So I could imagine Ireland targeting them. And, you know, even around the set piece, it was interesting yesterday hearing the tight head prop sort of saying that Keen Healy scrummages illegally, which is (laughs) hilarious, really. but I think Ireland will get after them at the set piece. Um, I, like I'm not for a second taking them lightly either. But if we're going to call a spade a spade, Ireland are a much better team. Even yesterday, Japan are talking about they're really chasing that tier one status. But they're still a bit away, I think, from that. But I just, I absolutely. But they beat beat South Africa four years ago. They're if, if they're taken lightly by the Ireland team, and you know. It's hard to get a read on this week because they've taken themselves completely out of out of, out of the out of circulation. Almost, you know, we met them at their, t- their training camp yesterday. They're staying in a rural hotel with uh, Zen, open Zen air rooms. They had the option of an open air room with yeah. Like, I mean, it, it looks really really cool, but it's, it's, it is hard. There's a confidence in Ireland. Look, if they play to their best, they'll beat pretty much any any team in the world, apart from maybe the All Blacks in South Africa, who uh, and England, who can match them. They're one of the best teams in the world if they play to their best. But I do think that I I I would think Japan are going to bring something on Friday on Saturday. I think all those nerves that we saw are gone. They've had eight days to work, fix the, the issues that they had. I think they're a good team. And as we saw today, that if, if the, the better team, like I think Fiji are ranked eight in the world, if the better team doesn't bring it and the other team is up for it, anything can happen in a game of rugby. So um, I don't know, maybe that's kind of uh, me, sober me a little bit towards over, over Egg in Ireland. Um, I think Japan are going to bring something on Friday, on Saturday, and I think it's going to be a close contest, at least for 60, 70 minutes, and Ireland could, you know, could edge it that way. The key for them is just going to be their accuracy. I mean, we look at the chances that Ireland afforded to Scotland, granted there weren't that many, but most of them were off uh, set-piece ball. You look at, say, um, the Andrew Conway knock-on that... Um, Scotland attacked off or the penalty from Ian Henderson at the line out that Scotland then attacked off it was all sort of their strike moves but what wasn't there was the accuracy and obviously a huge part of that was the way that Ireland got up in their face and the aggressive line speed but Japan they they really do pride themselves on being one of the most accurate rugby teams in the world and just when they're saying that they can see the space outside I think that they're backing themselves to be able to execute their strike moves in a way that Scotland couldn't 
and be able to get to that space outside because it is there. We've just seen that the the challenges. <laughs> Breaking, breaking to the outside. Yeah, you talk about accuracy. I guess it's no surprise when you look at two, two of their coaches, Tony Brown and Jamie Joseph, like two of the best in the business, really, isn't it? And probably on a similar kind of mold to Joe Schmidt. So it's not really surprising that they are playing this brand of rugby, is it? Well, you, John, you, were, you went to see Tony Brown today, didn't you? I mean, um, he's, I mean, his Highlanders teams were, mm. were so good to watch. I mean, he'd have trick plays. Schmidt would have studied them. I'm sure they borrowed stuff off each other. Um, I think he said he was he's a similar coach to Joe Schmidt. Um, I would say that he's probably a bit more uh, of a gambler. He, you know, his teams take risks. They probably play a bit more. Um, I think there are, he's obviously very intelligent rugby brain. You know, really impressive coaches team. Uh, play play great rugby, and I'm I'm excited to see what they bring, what they've seen in Ireland. That this might be a great road test for Ireland to come yeah. up against a coach this clever to expose a few things that they have to to, to get over. He's just got a strong hat game as well. It must be said that Peaky Blinders look. He, he really pulls it off, doesn't he? Um, lads, you both saw the the upset uh, this morning. Uruguay beating Fiji. I was trekking my way across in the bullet train. Uh, I was just keeping track of it on Twitter. Um, Fiji were one of the teams coming into this World Cup who I thought, you know, you'd never know like if if they get it right. But and they looked they looked good for a while against Australia, and I know they the were, controversy around that. But well, that game was what Saturday, so they've had they had a short turnaround, made a lot of changes. They and still had quality in the team. They, didn't no, they? A huge quality. Nakarawa was playing eight, but Uruguay were brilliant. Alan mm. Quinlan was doing the ITV coverage that I was watching, and he said it was the most committed. Uh, and passionate display by any rugby team he's ever seen, which for a guy who was part of that Munster team in the 2000s is, is quite a big statement. Um, they were, like the scenes at the end, I, I just caught them afterwards. Um, they, Great they, scenes, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, what it means to Uruguay, a team with, you know, we, we were on the plane over with them, Keen. Oh, like, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, they were skinny. Look, like, you know, you, they didn't look like... They, looked like, they, they looked a, like a senior cup team. There was a farmer who has been out of professional rugby for, t- for, 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 I think it was eight years, and it came back for one last go at the World Cup. Who's, you know, they, they, they are effectively an amateur team with a couple of guys in France. Munster had Mario Sagario for a mm. while, who, who unfortunately retired before this tournament. And they, I've never seen a team tackle as relentlessly as they did. They, every Fijian, I mean, Fiji had the physical uh, strength to beat them, but they frustrated them. They dragged them into a, into a fight. They, they pounced on their mistakes. That, you know, all the things that you probably try and do against Fiji when they knock it on, when they try an offload they shouldn't do, they were straight through, rushed it, kicked it, got a score. Fiji got frustrated and they chased it and they chased it and they couldn't just kind of catch up. It was really, really impressive. It was amazing, like, because I don't think I can really ever remember a defensive performance that you come away with such a strong impression of. And then you look at the stats and it's 48 missed tackles. It's crazy. Like, it's absolutely incredible. But the thing was, whenever you see these lower-ranked nations, and I think Uruguay were probably the least impressive team at the last World Cup, they really just looked like they were teams they were playing at a different level. But the thing that you often see is goal-kicking, but goal-kicking was the difference in this game for Uruguay. Like, the the guy that they had kicking, uh, Berchese, like, um, I think it's Dax he plays for in the... Prodi too, so he is obviously one of their uh, one of their professional players. But in what was a three point game, like a hell of a performance from him off the tee. Like. Yeah, well, Matavesi missed everything. He was Josh Matavesi. We played ten. Volavola was rested. He was awful off the boot, and Volavola missed one as well. And I mean, it was a three point game, but that was only because Fiji scored an injury time. So um, you know, they, they they had they had them at arm's length for most of the second half. Fiji got close, and Uruguay kicked the penalty. If Fiji had kicked their goals. 
they would have won the game. But that's what happens when you, you know, that's what so that's what needs to happen if you're going to get an upset. You know, if the if Fiji Fiji be France last year, they've had a really good World Cup cycle. They've been the one that's got the most World Rugby help. They have a team in the um, in the Australian uh, uh, conference. Their players are smattered off. Their top level players are, are France and England. They they look like they were primed, and I still think they could take Wales. Now, that, like, because they're going to be angry, they're going to be playing angry, and I'm not sure what the turnaround is from Wales Australia to that game. So, um, but it just said that pool is brilliant. I mean, Georgia could do something as well. You know, to, to Uruguay, Georgia, Fiji, Georgia, they they'll be looking at that as well. So, I think Ireland's pool, if they go as expected this weekend, is going to be a bit dull. Whereas. Um, that one is going to be really exciting. I had forgotten actually that they were on our flight over. I knew we should have gotten that exclusive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we could have got a real you know ten hour interview. Yeah, yeah. but um, but just before we finish, lads, I wanted to touch on the World Rugby statement yesterday about the referees. Um, it was pretty pretty strong stuff, wasn't it? Um, for anyone who didn't see it, World Rugby sort of saying that the standard of of officiating wasn't up to th- their sort of high standards and. It's not often you see any organisation kind of sticking the boot in. What did you make of it? Well, Tony Brown had a bit of a, a pop, didn't he, Jonathan? He was yeah, I think the Japan are clearly concerned about their referee. Certainly at scrum time, they've they've mentioned it several times over the last three days now, and it's, it does seem to be a real focus for them. And I just say Tony Brown was uh, ended his press conference with a question of um, if there had been any sightings from that, from that game last night. So... It is something that's got the attention um, of the coaches throughout this tournament, and obviously it's going to be an interesting one at the weekend for Ireland because um, Angus Gardner didn't exactly uh, do himself any favours with his performance in the first weekend either. They've put the refs under pressure, but a couple of hours after that statement, and I'm mm. sure, I don't know if people are seeing the, all the games because it, it's on during work hours at, at home, but I'm sure they've seen the Samoan tackles. That they, um, two players two, sided, two players, two players yellow carded. And they went they through, but they, they, they went through the, the process. I think they seemed to go after Vasily Artemiev, the, the Russian fullback and captain. Um, and the mitigating, so Poit, Roman Poit went to the CMO and they walked through the steps really, really cl- slowly. And he said that the attacking player with the, in possession dipped into the tackle. But really, it was, it, it, it was very marginal and it, they looked like head high hits. They both looked like red cards. They're both probably going to get banned. But Russia have been, like, like Fiji in the first game, who should have been playing against 40, 14 men for 50 minutes. Russia should have been playing against 13 men for 50 minutes. And they could have been celebrating the greatest shock in World Cup history. Like, you know, speaking to the Russians before they came over, they were mad to get their, their, like, their whole thing is to get their first World Cup win. So these referee mistakes have massive uh, mistakes, have massive repercussions. Wales are going to be playing against an Australia minus Reese Hodge, but that's no good to Fiji, who've now whose World Cup could have been started with a, with the greatest shock in their history, and now they're now they're zero from two. So um, the refs are now under pressure, so they're going to be making mistakes. You know, even even more pressure. The yeah, refs and rugby are always under the spotlight, but they're even more so now, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, and it's it's interesting they've done it publicly, but I think they've kind of left the refs hanging out to dry a little bit. So it's going to be really interesting to watch. I mean, the head height stuff they have to cut it out because it, you know this yeah. is the, the, these are the games that people across the world are watching to get into rugby. So um, it, yeah, that's going to be one to watch over the co- coming week. Yeah, whatever about Johnny Sexton may or may not play this weekend, there is absolutely no way that Johnny Sexton is going to be playing against Samoa. <laughs> no. <laughs> But um, yeah, lads, thanks for thanks for joining me, Rog. You can go and enjoy what's left of your your day off. Do my laundry. Do your laundry. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Cheers. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend thirty euro in store for a chance to win fifty thousand euro for your primary school.